Hey, guys. I don't have a cool blazer like Josh, Pastor Josh. Yeah? You'll get me one? Yeah, we're about the same size. Well, I just got to tell you, it's an honor to get to be on this team. And I, I'm not just talking about the staff, but I'm talking about this church family. We're a team, amen? amen? And we have a mission, and we're meant to be love, the tangible love of God on the earth. And there's a lot that's in my heart, but I'll just start by saying I don't take it for granted, or granted, I didn't mean to make a joke, sorry. Uh, so I, did, I seriously didn't intend that, but um, I don't take it for granted that we are together today. I believe that God ordained this, that God knows what he's doing when he puts people together, like PB&J. He knows how to put people together to do a work. And I, I'm thankful that he doesn't need us. He could do it all, but he chooses to use us, amen, and that he, he incorporates us into his plan, even though we're messy. How many of us are messy in this place? I just want to encourage you. I tend to be a kind of off-the-cuff guy. Hopefully, Pastor Josh is cool with that. I know he is. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> in the book of Joel. No, um, but seriously, God wants to use you. Do you believe that? And so I'm excited to be a part of this family, but what I'm most excited about is discovering how God wants to use you together, how he wants to use us as a, as a family, as a body, how he wants to take all of us together and make a difference through his Holy Spirit. So um, today I have the chance of sharing out of Joel, and it's a pretty small book if you haven't read through it. It's a pretty easy book to read through, but it's really intense. Have any of you guys ever read Joel? Most of you probably. It's pretty intense. If you saw the, well, there it is, the imagery for it, you see a beautiful-looking locust, delectable locust on the screen. And basically, the book of Joel is a, a book of prophecy, and it's a book where the Lord is crying out to his people, asking them to rend their hearts and to come home, basically, to him, to remember their first love. And to give you a little bit of a summary of this, um, the, Joel is, is hearing from the Lord, and he talks about how there is this great plague of locusts, and what one kind of locust ate, the other locust will eat the rest of that, and then the other locust will come and eat the rest of that, and it's just really encouraging and empowering. It just makes you really excited to be alive. And then, and then after that, um, it goes on to talk about, you know, the destruction of this army that's coming to destroy the people. And as I was praying and seeking the Lord about this, I felt like there was a word for us um, for today that God wanted to show us a secret to his heart that would tie in not just to the people um, of Israel or, or the Hebrews, but that it would, refer, it would tie into our lives today in 2016 because his word is active, amen? And so forgive me, by the way, if I walk up to you like this. It's just because I like looking at you because you guys are beautiful and we're family. So if I just keep walking around, does Josh ever do that? Does he just kind of walk around? Okay. It's all right. I'm going to set a new trend. Just kidding. Um, but... But basically, there is something that God wants to show us through what he speaks to his people in Joel. So if you turn with me um, to Joel chapter 1, I'll encourage you with the first couple verses. Get ready to be really encouraged. Are you ready? Okay, great. Awesome. 1 verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, and give ear all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days? or even in the days of your fathers. Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. So this is a word not just for one generation, but for generation upon generation. Something that's not meant to be forgotten. Here's the encouragement. What the chewing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Amen. <laughs> Awake, you drunkards, and weep. 
and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. Let's just pause there. After that point, it talks about this nation who's coming through, who is stripped, who will strip the people of Israel. And basically, these locusts are representing just a continual breaking down of everything that the people of Israel had to sustain them in the natural. And I want to ask you a question today and ask myself this question. What makes your heart come alive? What makes you excited to wake up in the morning? What makes your heart beat? Because I know it's not just um, getting up, and even if you love coffee, coffee isn't just here for coffee's sake. Coffee gives you energy so that you can do stuff with that energy. The Lord began to speak to me as I was looking at this, that the people of Israel needed a wake-up call. They needed a wake-up call because they had become so lost and so deprived that the things that they were living for no longer were the things they were made for, but they were the things that they could see with their physical eyes. But how many of you know that the things that you were made for are the things you can't see with your physical eyes? You don't, your heart doesn't beat for Starbucks. Your heart doesn't beat for even, even a title or a position or, or even uh, what people would, would say about you, but your heart beats for things that nobody can even um, show you in the natural, but it's something that, that is in the supernatural. So let's keep going on together. So he goes on with some, some more encouragement <laughs> through the following verses. And then I want to take you to what my heart really is on today, which is in Joel 2. Joel 2, verse 12, if you want to turn there with me. Now, therefore, says the Lord, after he's talked about all this, this impending judgment and, and this pain that's coming their way, he says, therefore, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. I grew up as a typical church kid. I'm one of nine children in my family. I'm the oldest, so I have my own youth group, <laughs> naturally. I have seven younger brothers, and I have one little sister. She's the youngest, and she knows she's amazing, and we love her. She, you know, being the youngest girl in a family of nine kids, you have to learn how to make it, especially if it's eight boys. Like, she loves pink, and she holds to that. Yeah, she's, she's committed. And um, by the way, this is Marina, my girlfriend. I just want to introduce her. She's awesome. She's really awesome. Like, she'll love you just meeting you the first time. She's the real deal. Um, but basically, growing up in that environment, I knew about God, and I knew about his love, and I, and I knew about who he was. But my heart hadn't quite gotten a hold of the reality that I needed to, to rend my heart. I needed to turn my affection towards him. Let's be honest. As a 13-year-old growing up in youth group, my affection was not as much towards the Lord as it was towards the girl I had a crush on. I know none of you have ever been like that. Um, growing up in the, in, in the environment of church, an analogy that I kind of thought of was that God was more the gasoline. He was the energy to get me where I wanted to go. I had, I had a desire to have a, a future job. I wanted to have someone to love in my life. I wanted to have passions and dreams. And it was almost like, if you've ever heard this before, it's like, God, I'm doing it all for your glory. For your glory. But my heart was not so much rendered towards him. My heart was open towards what he could do for me. And 
as I grew up, this is what happened. I'm sure it's happened to you. I started to get some of those things, and those things just weren't good enough, even for God. You get to the end of the day, and no matter how sweet it is, that job or that person, you come to the end of the day and you realize, I'm still wanting, I'm still lacking. There's still this this weight in my soul. And the word that got put on my heart for today is that we have opened our hearts towards the wrong things. The people of Israel, God had to take away, through this analogy of the locust, he had to take away the physical things, their resources, like their agriculture, their finances, all these things, not because he wanted to hurt them, but because those things had become idols that had become the the passion of their heart. They had let go of their first love. And in this day and age, um, growing up, it is so easy for us to give God the glory while we satisfy and we feed ourselves in the things that he never meant us to in the first place. We can make God into a vehicle other than the place that we want to go. There's a beautiful song. It says, Father, my home is you. And I feel like that is so true. That you're meant to have home in God. He's not just the person that gets you to where you want to go. He is the place you're going to. Amen? And so I just want to ask you today, where are the places in your heart that have been surrendered over to things that have betrayed you? Even in the name of God. Religion can be really tricky because we can learn how to say things really well. We can learn how to do things that look great, but then we feel empty. I know I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm sure that many of you have experienced that. Where you're like, I'm such a good little Christian right now, but I feel so bored. If I can be vulnerable, I felt that. I've been the guy who, who, I mean, worship leader, pastor, young adults pastor. But honestly, Netflix is more exciting to me than the idea of opening the Bible. I know I'm the only one. Or how about, we'll get a little closer to home. Lunch sounds more exciting than the meeting of believers. It's like, okay, I'll go to church, but lunch. What are we going to have for lunch? Lord, lunch. <laughs> I want to I share this with you and receive it as you want to. God isn't against you having, having things that you love. He just doesn't want things to have you. He's not against you having things that you're affectionate about, but those things were never meant to have you. And that's the problem with the people of Israel is that they have forgotten that God is the source of joy. You know the Bible says this. It says, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. He's exciting. He's fun. And if you're not experiencing joy, that ain't Jesus. If you think that suffering um, is, like when it talks about sharing in his sufferings, means I need to be bored for God, then we're, we're missing it. We're missing it. That's the trap of the enemy. But what does it take for us to get outside of living for stuff for the glory of God and getting into a life where we say, God, I want to live in you. I don't want to just live as if you're my, my mascot that I remember, but I want to live as you are the strength of my life. You are the one that I adore. And I believe this is what Joel is getting to here what the Lord's giving to him. He says, the secret to living a passionate life in the Lord is to rend your heart towards him. It's really simple. It's to to choose this day that your heart is going to be ripped open before him. To let yourself be uncomfortable, to let yourself come with your needs, to let yourself come with who you really are, and to not 
run away once things start to get really, really vulnerable and even awkward. When church is over and you're feeling those, those urges to do something even broken or dark, and you come before the Lord and you say, here I am, thanks for loving me right now. When you're in the midst of the moments of, of, of brokenness or maybe loneliness or even walking through depression or anxiety, the Lord says, cast your cares on me. What I've been learning recently is that rending my heart towards the Lord means that I have to bring God into the things my heart actually cares about, not just the religious things that I do on his behalf. I mean, the Pharisees knew how to talk, right? They knew how to explain the Bible, but their hearts were not burning for him because there was not a vulnerability. They just knew how to behave in church. God isn't interested with our behavior in church. God is interested with the, with the character of our heart. And so... If I can share a little bit of my story with you, I, knew, I learned how to do church, and I grew up in a young adult's environment, surrounded by believers, and then I got hit by a car, had my arm ripped open, I'm giving you the shortest version ever right now, had my arm ripped open, I had a dream to play guitar and to be a songwriter, and, and, and I had this passion to be a musician, and suddenly I find myself in the hospital with my arm ripped open, and the doctor says, you're never going to play the guitar again. And God met me. As I was laying on my bed and I couldn't go out, it was summertime and I was a high schooler and I couldn't go outside. It's the worst thing ever. I don't know if you guys know about Hurricane Harbor, but my friends called me as I couldn't get out of bed and they were like, hey, you want to go to Hurricane Harbor? Oh yeah, you're in a wheelchair. Sorry, dude. <laughs> that, was my, that was my experience. But as I was laying there as a, as a young person, God met me and he said, John, why do I love you? Why do you think that I love you? It's not because of what you can do for me. It's because of who you are. You are my son. I love you because I made you to be loved. Hear that today. God loves you simply because he loves you. Go ahead, look at the person next to you right now. Go ahead, look at him. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. And just say, he loves you just because he does. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't make sense. It's not like, you know, Pastor Josh, you have such a great beard. I'm going to love you today. No, the reality is that, well, maybe, but the reality is God loves you because it's his nature. Thank you, Jesus. It's his nature to love you. So wouldn't he design you that since you're made in his image, that it's your nature to love him? And it's, and it's your deepest desire in the same way that he just comes because that you would come to him in the same way and say, Lord, just because you are who you are, I just want to be known by you. I want to love you. And so as I'm on that bed and not feeling too good about life, God met me and he taught me this lesson. I'm still learning it today, which is that stuff and even goals and things in life that we run after will let us down unless they are something that has been given extra out of the overflow of just because. Living with God just because I love you. Just because you love me. Amen? And so as I've been growing up, God's been teaching me this lesson that if I choose to let things go into that place in my heart, that they begin to take over what God is meant to carry, he'll have to take them away. And the locusts will come. And they'll have to destroy the things that are in my heart because that thing has become an idol that has stolen my ability to respond to the Lord, to be able to do the thing I was made to do. How many of you have ever experienced this, where God started to do a good thing in your life, and you started to get some traction, you're like, this is awesome, and you kept going with it and going with it, and suddenly it's like, this is my jam. I'm really good at this, or this, is, this relationship, we're never going to, you know what I mean? Maybe you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or maybe you were pursuing a dream, and then 
suddenly things crash and burn and you realize, where did God go on that journey? Like, where did God go? I was walking with him. He gave me this vision. I feel like so often this is what we do. It's like we come to God in our brokenness and, and we feel so empty. And so we turn to him and we rend our hearts because he's the only one in the room. <laughs> everyone else has left us. And don't you love that God, he sticks with you? Even when everyone else has given up, he doesn't give up on you. He stays with you. And so I feel like just maybe it's just me, but like I'm in that end of the road situation. I turn to him. I'm like, you're still here with me. I rend my heart to him. And then he's like, great, let's do this together. And then I'm just like, tell me what to do, and I'll go do it. And then the first thing he speaks to me, I'm like, great, see you later. Peace out. <laughs> I'll see you guys later at the 11 o'clock. You know, it's like, and God this entire time has designed us to be able to stay in an intimacy where he speaks to you on a daily basis, and he shows you what is the desire of his heart, and that becomes your desire. And this is a, I believe this is a word for us today as a community, as a family, since I'm your new brother. The Lord knows what you need, and so sometimes he'll remove what you want so you can have what you need. But there's another word, too, which is that the Lord will restore what the locusts have stolen. As it talks about in, in, in Joel, he goes on to say that he will never let his people be put to shame. And I feel like what God may be doing right now, I don't know each of your lives, but maybe what the Lord has done is he has removed an idol, something that had power to take away your joy. And it was maybe a good thing. Maybe it was, it was fun. It was exciting. But it wasn't what you were made for. It was just bonus. And the Lord has removed that. And maybe you're like, well, God, what, what am I supposed to do now? And the Lord would speak to you. He'd say, what the locust has eaten, what it has taken away, I will restore times seven. I will bring it back more than you could even imagine. But let's do this together. Let's do this together. Let's go back to the book of Joel. It's about to get really exciting. Turn to somebody and say, let's get excited. Yeah, Josh, let's get excited. Yeah, PJ. Does anyone ever call him PJ? <laughs> okay, you know what I love? This place is so homey. This is family, you know what I mean? It's like, I feel like I could literally just be like, all right, guys, let's just go ahead and talk together. This is great. This is so fun. <sighs> How many of you guys want to see the Spirit of the Lord move in this place? Come on. Uh, I'm just, Josh, Pastor Josh gave me permission to just kind of share my heart today, so I'm going to do it. But a big reason why I made the choice to, to come here and to plug into this family is because Pastor Josh said it's revival or nothing. Do you guys agree with that today? That he was like, we were made to experience the presence of God. We weren't just made to look cute like cute little Christians, don't look at us doing all our, our Christianese stuff. But we are meant to encounter, to taste and see that God is good and to share him with the world and to beat up on hell for a living. Can I get an amen to that? And so, and so coming here, I just feel this expectation. It's like, God, I don't care what it looks like in the natural. We can be medium-sized, as he said, but you're going to supersize us in the supernatural. You're going to bring breakthrough because, I mean, okay, now I'm going off the cuff, whatever. So Gideon... God, he had all these people in his army, but God said, nope, 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 because I don't want you to boast in what you have with your eyes in the natural, but I want you to see what I can do through simple obedience when you choose to become united. And so what if we stood united in this thing and we said, okay, God, it's your spirit or nothing. 
And so right here, this is a promise from the Lord in Joel, and I love this so much, and Marina also loves this. She reminds me of it all the time. So, if you want to turn with me to chapter 2. As I was researching, Joel, I actually found out that in the, in the Hebrew, this is actually a whole separate chapter, which is fun, which means that it's very important. Chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my, main, on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. One more time, I want to read that. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, someone say your sons, and your daughters. We believe in women, come on. And your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. And it goes on to talk about the awesome day of the Lord. Later in the New Testament, um, it's referred to again. As Paul talks about that same scripture, he brings that back and, he, and he, he basically says, the Lord has begun this work of pouring out his spirit. And so we're in that moment, amen? God is pouring out his spirit now. But um, this is what I, what I really believe is that the reason why rending our heart is so important is because you don't get a degree to be able to operate in the Holy Spirit. It's not like you go to seminary and they say, all right, here is your anointing. <laughs> Although maybe some people feel that way. The Lord isn't impressed with what I know or what you know. But if you think back to David, the Lord looks for the heart. The Lord looks for a man or a woman who has rendered their heart and said, I choose you, God, with all that I am, with everything that I have. And I was listening to a great sermon a couple days ago, and, and I thought this was so good is that the Lord is looking for sensitivity. But what happens is when we allow our hearts to be given over to vain passions, we lose sensitivity for sensuality. And we chase after sensuality because we've lost the ability to feel his presence and to sense what he's doing. The Lord isn't looking for you to impress him. The Lord is looking for you to be vulnerable with him. And if you want to be powerful in the Holy Spirit, be a kid. <laughs> be a child. Be willing to let him love you, to come as a kid who says, all that I know is that my dad can beat your dad up. <laughs> come on. <laughs> to come into situations and say, Lord, I don't need to be impressive right now. How many of you have experienced this with Pastor Josh? Like he's challenged you to do something and you've gone and done it and you were so scared. Maybe to invite someone or to talk to someone or prophesy or to give a word of knowledge. And, and how many of you the first time, it wasn't like you went to that thing feeling like, I'm about to bless you right now but that there was this sense of, I'm so dependent on the Lord. Have you ever felt that before? Don't lose that. Don't lose that dependency on the Lord. God promises to us, he says, hey, in these days, I'm pouring out my spirit. I'm gonna teach you sensitivity. Men, because I'm right there in the boat with you, we long for, we long for an ability to sense the presence of God. That's what we long for. We don't long for more sensuality, and for more pleasures of the world. And the world tries to convince us that we just need to be more, more powerful, and we need to be more influential, and we need to have all these things 
you know, causing us to be distracted, but really what we're looking for is to have someone who fully knows us. I know I'm not married yet, but I know those of you who are married, you understand this, that it's not about having the person, you know, that you're married to go, oh, you're so impressive. <laughs> but it's about them having, having the ability to say, I really know you and I love you, that you are known by me, that I understand you. And I believe that the Lord is drawing us into a season where we would say, you know what, I could watch, like, TV for the next five hours if I wanted to, you know, just one football game, <laughs> because I want to take time to be able to seek you in the secret place, rather than just coming in and, and phoning it in and just saying all the right things, being willing to say, Lord, I, I don't know what to do right now. I, I don't know what's going on. God, I'm dealing with this issue in my life right now. Like when Josh, when Pastor Josh gives opportunities to get prayer to actually say, I'm going to go up and receive prayer because kids know they need help. I'm not going to be Mr. I know everything and I don't need any help, but I'm going to be vulnerable. And I promise you this, when you come with that pure heart like a child and you do that, God's going to bless you. And especially if you don't think you're impressive, God will choose you first. I really believe that. If you feel like the person that everyone else has counted out, God's probably got you marked in this place. He's got you marked. And so I want to I kind of come towards the, um, the end of this thing by bringing two people to mind. You guys know about David and Solomon, David and Solomon. I was listening to the sermon Pastor Josh gave on Ecclesiastes, and I was reminded of these two men as we were thinking about, about Joel and about longevity. So Solomon and David both messed up, right? It's pretty safe to say they both made some big mistakes. What was the difference between David and Solomon? If you could put into one word, anybody, let's just family time, go ahead. Faith, awesome. Heart, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. It was the state of their heart. Solomon had way too many wives. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> that he, he had allowed himself to be in the very, very position of king, to be in the presence of the Lord and to miss it because his affections had been bought out to everything around him. He had sold himself to all of these different things. He had made allegiance with all these different people, these women that he had tied himself to, these idols, the money that he was given. And David also had a lot of power. I mean, he was in a different position, but he also was a king with authority, and he made mistakes. Bathsheba was a huge issue. But the difference is that David understood his need for the Lord, and he rendered his heart. And so I just want to encourage you today if you've made mistakes, if I've made mistakes, the difference between us moving forward and us getting trapped is whether we're willing to humble ourselves, to have that contrite heart, and to come before the Lord and to say, God, you have my affection. You have my affection. I'm really thankful that God doesn't just have one plan for our life and then we mess it up and he says, well, it was a good try. I've heard it say, said this way, God has a purpose for your life and he has a thousand plans to get you there. Like the good old iPhone map quest. <laughs> you miss your exit, which I do all the time, and it's like recalculating, right? Recalculating. And when I'm in the car of Marina, now I'm really going off the cuff. I don't like the voice of the woman. She's like, recalculating. I'm like, shh. <laughs> I like your voice better. Um, but, but really, that's, that's the thing for today. The people, of, the people of Joel, God makes this promise to him. He says, look. You have, you're going to experience this death, 
because that is what is necessary to take you from spiritual death to life. You don't need all those things. I will be your provision. But once you rend your heart to me, how about we build something together? He's like, how about I restore what the locusts have stolen? How about I give you a vision? How about we do this thing with our hearts correctly aligned to his? Amen? And begin to walk with him. And when we make mistakes, we don't church it out and just, and just feel guilty for a week and think that God, that gives God glory. Your guilt gives God no glory. Your repentance gives him glory. Can I tell you what repentance is? Here we go. Okay, repentance is not you stopping in a moment of sin and going, I'm just going to waddle here for the next week and not come to church and not talk to anybody about Jesus because I'm not worthy. That's shame. You have a father, not a dictator. Amen? So when shame comes to your door and knocks on your door, rending your heart is not, is not becoming stuck to the ground, but rending your heart is choosing to repent and to say, Lord, I was going the wrong way, but now I rend myself. I reconnect with you, and I go your way now. I go your way now. The Lord never wants to stop you and get you stuck. I feel that word right now for somebody. The Lord doesn't want to get you stuck, but rending your heart means, Lord, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move forward into vulnerability, into intimacy. I mean, this is a mature family, so like, let's talk about things like pornography, for example. If you've made a mistake in that area, or if you've, or if you've lusted, or you've sinned, or done something that you're like, ugh, it was just yesterday. You don't have to pay time in spiritual prison to move forward as a son or a daughter of God, amen? That's such a trap of the enemy. I fell into that trap as a guy growing up thinking that God was disgusted with me. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he paid for all that stuff. When the Lord sees you, he sees his son. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He looks at you and he, he sees somebody worth dying for and somebody that he wants to work with. Go on, look, look at yourself and say, I'm worth working with. Come on. I'm worth working with. God wants to work with you. He wants to work with you. And so my challenge to us as a body and to myself, because I need to hear this, if I was sitting in the seat, I'd be like, wow, I'm convicted. I need this word today, is to not just be a church that, as it talks about in the scripture, rends our garments so that the world says, look at how they, they look like this and they look like this, but that we rend our hearts and we say, Lord, you are our one thing. We choose you. We want you. You are the source of our strength. You are the, the source of our pleasure and our desire. You are the center of our life. Just like, just like David, when he made mistakes, he said, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Pour out your spirit on all flesh through my life. Use me. Use me to change the world. And I just want to tell you, each and every one of you, you are God's plan A. Even Pastor Josh. I mean, God's plan was not for Pastor Josh to come up here and just, and just to be the, the guy who has all the words to say. And then for you all to come here and be like, oh, that was great. I'll come back next week. God's plan was to fill you with words to say. God's plan is to fill you with truth. And if you rend your heart to him, he's going to give you power. He's going to give you authority. And he's going to put people in your life, hear this, people that I can't reach and that he can't reach and that somebody else can't reach, but he designed you in your mother's womb and said, I'm going to make her quirky in this way so that she can reach this person. And I'm going to design you with this cool attribute that maybe you don't even like, but God loves it because he made you so that he can use you. God wants to use you. And so that's my prayer for us, that we'd render our hearts and we would say yes to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Can we um, bow our heads together?
I don't know what the Holy Spirit is specifically speaking to you today. But I know that he's talking to each of us and that he wants to communicate. He wants to heal us. He wants to restore us. He wants to give us vision. So, Lord, I just pray right now. You'd find us with our hearts rendered open to you. Fully rendered to you, Lord. Thank you for being real. Thank you for being worth it, Lord. You're so much, so much better than any of that stuff that tried to take over our hearts or to steal our joy. Right now, I just want to give an opportunity. If there's anybody in this place that has never invited Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, it's the best choice you'll ever make in your life. And it's not just to get you to heaven. It's to get heaven into you right now. It's to invite you into what you were made for, to be loved and to love and to walk with him. Just like in the beginning, God designed us to walk with him in the garden, to be with him. So with every head bowed, if you want to make that choice today to, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, would you lift your hand so I can agree with you? Does anybody in this place, with every head bowed, just by lifting your hand, we could agree together? How about anybody that would say, God, as I was hearing your word and, and, and trying to listen to your spirit, I felt like I've been going through the motions, but I haven't had my heart torn open towards you. And I, I just want to invite you to do that work in me today, to rent my heart today towards you. If that's you, would you lift your hand? And you can go ahead and lift your eyes, too, if you have your hand raised, so I can just look at you and say, yes, 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 amen, 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 awesome, amen, amen, yes, yes, yeah. Okay, let's lift our heads together. Go ahead and grab somebody's hand. We're going to pray this thing as a family. You ready? Father, rend our hearts. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in us. Lord, you, you don't make changes because of persuasive words or because we know all the right things to say. God, you come and change us by the power of your Holy Spirit that you have given authority Lord, to be able to, to be the change in our lives. Lord, we just invite you right now to come into the center of our hearts, to wake us up. Lord, no matter if we are 85 or we're 18, God, we say yes to your Holy Spirit. We say yes to your presence. We ask you, Lord, to root out all the false affections of our life. Lord, we ask you to, to reveal to us things in us that are perpetuating brokenness, that might be causing us, Lord, to be in cycles that are just not not giving life. And Lord, we say we are your kids. We want to be used by you, but first help us just to love you because, because we were made to. Thank you, God, for your great grace that it covers this room today and that every one of us is found in that grace, that, God, we have a new beginning in you every morning. Your mercies are new. And so we just say, what do you want to do today, God? What do you want to do today? 
Here we are, your sons and daughters, and we say, rend our hearts and open the heavens and pour out your spirit. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Thanks for letting me share with you. Wow. Come on up here. That was, uh, that was pretty ridiculous. And, uh, um, okay. So, you know, you did good. The ridiculous is a good thing because, I mean, um, you don't know how important that word is, was for our church. It was, you have no idea. So that's how God works. God works in mysterious ways. That's what I needed to hear. That's what everybody in this room needed to hear. That's, that was for this specific body, that, uh, and it was prophetic. And Joel was prophetic for you to speak on, on this today because the, the locusts, uh, they're going away. So, yeah. Um, do you know what a, okay, do you feel the, the, the sweetness and the peace of God in the room? You guys feel that, like, a, like peace? That's what it feels like when you make a good decision, when you make a God decision. So if you're ever wondering, well, did I make a wrong decision? This is what it feels like to make a good decision inside of God's will. So, all right, buddy, thank you. I love you. All right, if I get the band and the ushers to come on up to the front, we're going to receive the offering Excited to see what God has got planned next. Some things God has made known to us. Some things are still a mystery. So we're excited to see the next direction that we're headed in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the word that we received today. God, it was timely. It was you. And I just pray that our hearts would be rend open, God. We just pray that you pour your spirit inside of us. God, right now for this, uh, this family, this church family, I pray that you would just move us into new areas of blessing and new areas of even prosperity, but a healthy prosperity, God, that our prosperity won't turn into idols. Our prosperity will turn into something that we can bless the kingdom with. So God, right now I just pray that we would just put our mark your mark on our finances as we move forward. And I pray that you just meet all of our individual needs in, in addition to the needs of this building. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.